2: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
3: We know New York City's the Big Apple. Did you also know it's the Big App? If not, this episode of Tech Bites is for you. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 65 countries around the world a million times a month. Did you know that? Heritage Radio has a nice, strong voice that's worldwide. We're excited about that. We've been on the air since 2009. Did you know? We got 35 live shows a week and over 10,000 on demand in our archives. This is one of those fun, sparkly little pieces of podcasting. This is Tech Bytes, the weekly show where we talk to innovators and influencers in the food tech space. I'm Jennifer Liuzzi, your host, the person who created this, the person who's here every Thursday at 11 a.m., and this is episode number 98, May 25th, 2017, just in case you're listening in the future, as most of you do. Today, we are going to be talking about New York City big apps, the 2017 Civic Tech Competition. It actually started in 2009. It's a pretty interesting program. We're going to be talking to one of the winners and some of the participants a little bit later on in the show. But first, we are going to do like we do at the beginning of every episode. We're going to talk about apps. Go around the shipping container and talk about apps we love, new ones, old favorites, maybe something that's been living on your home screen from the day you got your smartphone. And we will start off... One of the most important people on the show, the man who turns our chit-chat into podcasted radio, David Tadishor.
4: Oh, well, wow. What a great audience. Thank you so much.
3: Shows at 9 and 11. He's our engineer. He's also the HRN studio manager.
4: Hello. How's it going?
3: And he's also my sort of... Uh, my shotgun co-pilot. Yeah. He's, he's the voice in the other side of the room that, that makes...
4: I'm the statler to your Waldorf.
3: Exactly. You got an app for us today, David?
4: Yeah, uh, this one is pretty straightforward. It's called uh, Cam Scanner, which allows you to take photos and convert them to PDFs really easily. So it's great for all of your bureaucratic NYC needs.
3: Why would you not just use the phone and then take a picture and just export it as a PDF
4: um, I think that just requires extra steps this does it all for you in the app
3: okay okay
4: yeah, that's it
3: alright does it do anything
4: else nope that's it that's it yep turn wow. your turn your passport photo into a PDF or whatever
3: and I'm assuming it's free oh yeah did you read the terms and conditions I mean they must <laughs> be getting something from you if it's so easy no
4: I haven't even really used it yet actually
3: okay <laughs> Well, I I'm excited read, to. I would read those terms and conditions, though, especially if you're thinking about using documents. For you it. know,
4: but if you read all the terms and conditions, you just you never get around to using the apps.
3: That's true. But you could protect your identity and your information and your well-being and your privacy.
4: Yeah. I, I mean, I'm you know, I'm all for that. I know. every part, like
3: 50 percent of your apps are about security.
4: But in certain ways, I feel like it's just a lost cause at this point. There is <laughs> there's no more privacy. There's and no more security. And therein
3: CPC. lies the rub. Yeah. How to balance, the you world know, we live in. Yeah, disdain and slight paranoia up against laziness and futility. Yeah. <laughs> Joining us in studio today is Matt Bishop, who has a company called Open City Labs, who participated in the Big City Apps competition this year. Matt, do you have an app that you like right now? Sure. And you're not allowed to talk about one that you work on, own.
5: <laughs> okay, no, I wasn't going to do that. Um, Some
3: people try to. You'd be surprised.
5: I'm a big fan of uh, Asana. Um, it's a project management software um, invented by one of the former Facebook founders. And what I, what I like about it is it allows you to do the kind of the simple things like create to-do lists, um, assign dates of when those actions are needed to be completed. But you can also kind of categorize those into projects, Um, organize those projects, assign them to other team members. Uh, And so it's kind of like how I organize my life, both personal, business, um, even like, you know, social. Um, So and I I incorporate, um, and this is kind of getting into kind of later, but I incorporate kind of David Allen's Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity approach to... um, organizing my life and, and using the software to kind of um, improve my productivity.
3: Have you tried any of the other productivity apps, the Trellos and the mm-hmm. Slacks and all those kinds of things, which are also very popular in the tech world?
5: Yeah, I've used Trello and, um, and Basecamp, and there's some similar functionality in you, where you can organize different kind of columns on, you know, where a task is in com- completion you know, if it, this is, this task is under review or there's different stages, like for Trello, um, I, I just find Asana kind of a little bit easier to use. Um, and it's also free, I think, if you have, like, under 10 team members. Um, and I, I think Slack is great for the kind of communication. I think that's the, um, it, it kind of beats Skype and the kind of managing all your communication around different topics.
3: So Asana, A S A N A, correct. And is that iOS and Android? Yes. And free. And free, yeah. Okay, great. Did you read the terms and conditions before you signed on? Just out uh, of curiosity.
5: I, I, I didn't uh. read the terms and conditions. <laughs> I, whenever I have some kind of application which is which seems to me is kind of sketchy, I actually will read the terms and conditions. Right. Um, And before I apply to a competition, like New York City Big Apps or something, I will read the terms and conditions. But um, on this particular app, I did not.
3: Well, I'm starting to survey people to find out because, you know, every time we read something in the news about, you know, privacy and information being hacked, sold or whatever the case may Mm. be, people get up in arms. But people are not doing a good job of you know understanding what they've already given away for free or throwing up their own you know parameters and borders and protecting yeah. what little information they may have left that's still private
5: i think towards that issue like one of the challenges is just like being properly educated most people do not have law degrees um, but still. And like, so mean, it's hard to know. kind of understand and get through those terms and conditions. And they try to make it as
3: complicated as possible. and legally
5: yeah. is, 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 so to dissuade people from reading them. So, um,
3: Well, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later in terms of when you're developing an app, how you deal with your terms mm, and conditions. Uh, sure. Sitting next to Matt, we have Ryan Baxter, and his company is PassNYC.org. Ryan, do you have an app that you like right now?
6: Thanks so much for having me. I was going to go with a combination of Trello and Slack, specifically because I found Asana's reminders particularly annoying.
3: Oh, okay. But... So we have dueling productivity (laughs) apps.
6: Yes. With that in mind, given that we're talking about privacy, I will go with Uber. Oh. Not because I take many Ubers, but rather... If I'm ever wrongfully accused of a crime, I will cite Uber's geotracking as my alibi.
3: Uber's geotracking <laughs> versus just the tracking that's on your phone anyway? Yes. Okay.
6: Be- specifically, because I imagine Uber's doing more things that we don't know about than we would otherwise assume.
3: Okay. Interesting. So, for the unindicted co conspirator,
6: <laughs>
3: the geotracking on Uber. Yes. And Ryan has brought with him one of his associates from PassNYC, Akil Bello. Akil, do you have an app that you like right now that I, you're fond of?
7: Yeah, I've been playing with PhotoMath. Okay. Which is shameful to admit because I've been using it to check my kids' homework because I'm lazy. Um, and as an educator... That's probably a bad thing.
3: So explain to us what PhotoMath is, because I am neither an educator nor a parent.
7: So PhotoMath is an app that will let you take a picture of an equation, and it will solve it for you.
3: Oh. Are, do, do kids <laughs> use this to actually do their homework?
7: Yes. I don't know what kids do with it. Because, My I children- mean, that,
3: seem, that seems to be the natural usage right that I mean David I saw you look
7: over here am I right
4: I mean how advanced does this get can it do like differential equations stuff like that
7: I haven't gotten it yet my oldest is 11 okay um, so I haven't had to challenge it that way All right, stay in but touch. I've used it for single variable <laughs> equations and it works pretty well Wow.
3: interesting so photo math. photo math iOS and Android
7: Android I don't know about iOS is it free it is free I wow. only do free apps
3: only do free apps.
7: And no, I did not read the terms or conditions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair trade. <laughs> in, in exchange for my privacy,
3: okay, fair they will trade. check my kids' homework for me. Okay. All right. It's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. Photomath. Have not ever heard of that. That's interesting. I'm going to survey the small children that I know and see if they're using it to to crib their homework a little bit. Could you imagine if that existed when we were in school? Right. Oh, that'd be amazing. Oh, I thought we had it good if we were allowed to have, you know, an index card with equations and a scientific calculator.
7: Yeah, I was excited when I made my calculator spell out dirty words. <laughs> or you can check the odd ones in the back of the book. What was
6: really fun about the graphing calculators was their storage capabilities because you could put the answers from the back of the book into your calculator. Uh,
5: you obviously knew your graphing calculator better <laughs> than I did.
3: Yeah, clearly on, the, clearly on the app track from the get. Yes. <laughs> so my app is completely different. It's not productive or mathematical. Um, listeners, uh, may not know that I am born and raised in Hawaii oh, from Oahu so cool. in a little town called Kalihi. And is a very special place, magical place. If you've never been there, I encourage everybody to go and visit at least once in their life. Any of the islands, it's all beautiful. And even though you can get just about everything in New York City, you can't get a lot of Hawaiian food. And I don't mean some kind of fusion East Village global kind mm-hmm. of thing. I mean the real, the real deal. And Hawaiian food's very interesting. There's an indigenous food. There's a, a local food, which is kind of a mashup of a lot of different things. But they also have this very fun snack culture called crack seed, and it comes from different Asian cultures, and they would have crack seed shops where you have jars of preserved fruits, plums, apricots, pineapple, mango, with different kind of sort of five-spice powder, salty, sweet and sour um, kind of flavors. There's also dried... Cuttlefish and squid and baby shrimps and smoked and all kinds of mochi crunch and arari and things like that. And it's kind of hard to find outside of Hawaii. You can find reasonable facsimiles in you know Chinatown or sometimes in Japanese grocery stores or you know other Asian markets. So I recently discovered that there is uh, one of the local companies, Snack Hawaii, mm. that had a mail order catalog, which I was like, right on. Now I can order. Through the mail because before it was just you know bring home what you can in your suitcase, and they just released an app, hmm. Snack Hawaii, and all it does is allow you to order snacks from Hawaii. Beautiful. Pay, and it's Google and Android. It's Android and iOS, and it's free. And I did not read the terms, but I downloaded it, and. Um, <laughs> And there it is. So if you are from Hawaii or have visited, and you know what I'm talking about when I say, you know, white Lee moi, rock salt plum, apricot, mango, cuttlefish, arari, mochi crunch, snack Hawaii app is for you. So now on to the NYC Big Apps. Uh, It's a civic tech competition. They just announced the winners on Tuesday for this year's event. They had 150 submissions. Uh, they were charged. Companies were charged with solving problems facing New Yorkers in the categories of community resiliency, knowledge, and transportation. Um, over the past eight years, they've raised 10 million in seed funding and helped a lot of different uh, companies. And also, you know, continued the idea that even though we are East Coast, New York City is still. Uh, one of the tech capitals of the country. And if you're a tech capital of the U.S., you're one of the tech capitals of the world. Ryan and Pass NYC it was the winner in the knowledge category. And Matt's company, Open City Labs, was one of the participants. And this was actually his third time participating mm-hmm. in the New York City Big Apps program, which is so interesting to me. So there's so much to talk about here. But f- the first thing I would really like to hear from everyone is why you participated in the program. And maybe Matt we'll start with you because three times, you know, to go back to something three times in a row, that means it was definitely of interest and and worthwhile.
5: Sure. So I have always um, I I came from the the public sector after I got my master's degree. I came and I worked for, for government in a state hospital. Um, and since I've moved into technology, I've always been interested in um, technology for the public good, you know. And that's what New York City Big Apps is all about. It's about building technology that can make a difference in people's lives in, in New York City. Um, and it's just a great place to meet like-minded people. And um, I, I see that as the. My my primary motivation when I go to the uh, New York City Big Apps is, is not to, um, you know, win, win awards or um, it's not the competitive element. It's more about building relationships and meeting people who have kind of who have share similar ideals and who you could potentially work with or partner with um across the city.
3: And because it's a city sponsored event that also brings you in to conversation with city entities, also local government, local.
5: Yeah. There's there's a real community here. There's a real community of um, government, people who work in government, people who work in the nonprofit sector and people who work in technology. And um it's it's a really unique community because too often times the people who work in government may not have the technology background or they may not be interested in the technology background, and so they may not see the kind of opportunities of, and then other people in kind of technology aren 't aware of the kind of public sector challenges that they could potentially address with their their outstanding skill set uh, and so this is a perfect kind of medley of bringing those bringing the people in government nonprofit private sector, and technology kind of together to Make a difference.
3: Ryan, did you find that was the case? What was your motivation for participating?
5: That was absolutely the case. It was the community that was most
6: attractive. And I do have to back up quite a ways because, unlike most applicants, I believe we were different for a variety of reasons, but chiefly because we were. We at PassNYC, or Promoting Access to Specialized Schools in New York City, are a 501c3 collective impact action tank.
3: And that's why you chose Big Apps?
6: It was indeed, because... We, as a nonprofit focused on increasing access to educational opportunities throughout New York City, wanted to gain access to the many civic-minded individuals who recognize how important technology is and how it drives new resources to areas that have never had them before. And so we began developing the Opportunity Explorer, which is the product that won, thankfully— <laughs> simply because we're up to 40 partner organizations. Many of them have asked us to distribute their applications and informational materials to families throughout the city. But we've recognized that families and students rarely have the resources and time necessary to navigate all of the extracurriculars in New York City, all of the opportunities they could avail themselves of. And so Two problems, one simple solution, an app that connects people and helps, again, increase access to educational opportunities.
3: Help increase access, always very important. And we are going to take a moment and pause and find out who our amazing sponsor is, who helps give our listeners around the world access to all of these amazing shows on the Heritage Radio Network. Stay with us.
1: This program is brought to you by Chef's Collaborative, a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Chef's Collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the United States. Chef's Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters, Well, if you've
3: just joined us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we talk to influencers and innovators in the food tech space. Do you like food tech? Most people do. Most people like food, and we live with tech every day, so it's kind of a nice sweet spot. If you are interested in getting in touch with us and letting us know what you think, or maybe letting us know what your favorite app is... We are very interactive. We are on social media at TechBytesHRN. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want to email us something, maybe a, a long note about something you're interested in that you think would make a great topic, our email address is techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. If you love the show, we're also on Stitcher, Radio, and iTunes. You can always go and subscribe, download your favorite episodes, take us with you. And if you're completely enamored of it, you could leave us a nice five-star review. Today, we are talking about NYC Big Apps, the 2017 civic tech competition that just wrapped up this week on Tuesday. Uh, Companies, tech companies, app companies are charged with solving problems facing New Yorkers. It's something that has been happening since 2009. And we have a couple of the participants and one of the winners with us today. So we have uh, Matt Bishop from Open City Labs. You can find him at OpenCityLabs.com, at OpenCityLabs on social media. And Ryan Baxter and Akil Bello from PassNYC.org. You can find them on social media at PassNYC.org. So, again, you know... I, it's often we have a, we have a lot of people who are founders and CEOs of tech and startup companies and apps on this program from a variety of subjects. Um, and, again, you know, I'm interested in this. The NYCB app program was a little bit different. It wasn't a one-day event. It, it mm-hmm. unfolded over the course of several, several weeks with... Workshops and opportunities to develop and build. Did any of you take part in the workshops and the development and and those sort of resources?
5: I I did. I went to the, the design thinking workshop, which was great because it was is very interactive and it's also something that um, a lot of technologists, a lot of people who kind of do technology, don't aren't familiar with the design thinking, and um, any and anybody who hasn't been exposed to technology oftentimes but doesn't have that background so So that was very useful
3: when you say design thinking i'm guessing Mm -hmm. that you don't mean design in the visual art sense Uh, i'm i'm guessing you mean design in the sort of ideo stanford d school design thinking way why don't you explain what what that means for folks playing along at home sure
5: so design thinking is about before you start, it could be you could be starting a program, a nonprofit program or a government program. You could be building an app. But essentially, it means starting with the end users in mind. Right. So doing your research and talk, going out and actually talking to the, re, the the end users, the people who will be um, using your, your product or be participating in your program um, means it's a process that involves um, Brainstorming and getting as many ideas out um, as possible to kind of generate new ideas and then kind of voting on um, the ideas and then also kind of collecting feedback from users after you have a program or a product out and then iterating on that. Um,
3: There's a great book um, that came out, I think, maybe two or three years ago called Creative Confidence, and it's written by the founders of IDEO, the consulting agency and the brothers that started the Stanford Design School. And it's very interesting, and to your point, uh, design in this sense typically when we design when people are designing something they're thinking about the product itself the app itself the website itself how's it going to look what is it going to do Yeah. and that's usually the center of right. the thinking and the sort of ground zero of what you develop from and yeah. in the design thinking process you you have the user as the center of it and then it sort of radiates out from there so it's sort of a reverse engineering almost
5: so one of the things that we say is don't be obsessed with your product be obsessed with solving the problem that your users have and and you need to validate that this problem that you think your users have that it actually exists before you go build a product to address it
3: Ryan did you participate in any of the workshops and things leading up
6: Unfortunately I did not However, PassNYC's creative director, Monica Vazaki, attended many of them. And she was is the design lead on the Opportunity Explorer, and she shared many very pointed pieces of feedback that she received from the many advisors and mentors who went to the workshop. And that ultimately played a large role in our ability to adapt our pitch.
3: So you did make changes to your products along the way as you went through the process. Yes. Significantly, a little bit, tweaks?
6: So it was more a matter of where we placed emphasis, because, for instance, as a result of Monica attending the workshops, we recognized that among the likely finalists, we were going to be the only organization creating a solution, as opposed to a company. Focus on a solution that they are now sharing.
7: The design thinking idea is interesting in a number of ways. I actually have a bachelor's of architecture. So I studied architecture, and a lot of what you're saying and a lot of app design and things like that is also conversations that are been having for years, been had for years within design schools, like things like architecture, form and function, and which comes first, and all of those sort of things. So it's interesting looking at those solutions applied to other things. You know.
3: I think it initially didn't start with tech I mean in terms of you know mm-hmm. app and technologies like that it um, I mean obviously is interactive tech and design things that have to do with people um, but in the book they have a lot of examples of medical technology mm-hmm. actually things that are interacting with people how they're designed and right. um, you know they often think about what makes the most efficient tool or most effective for the doctors but the things that wound up being most important was sort of the Um, experience of the actual patient emotionally and, Mm. you know, actually and physically how it was for them engaging with, um, you know, the piece of medical technology. It's very interesting.
6: To two to kill his horn just a little bit. He is PassNYC's resident test prep expert. He cut his teeth at the Princeton Review working his way up to become the nationwide director of equity and access for them. And he took a little break in between to found Bell Curves, where I'm certain he applied design thinking to ensure that they were providing to their students the best possible test prep experience.
3: Is it a technology company?
7: Uh, it had technology. <laughs> <laughs> Go tech enabled. Go tech enabled. Actually, we actually dabbled in creating an app at some point, which never mm. came to fruition, but it was... It was an interesting experience building websites and monitoring design and, and watching an app come together, you know, um, which which is interesting, just looking at holistic processes and things of that nature. So,
3: so at the culmination of the program, and Matt, you had, to, you had some interesting things to say about the program itself in that it wasn't like a one-day hackathon. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit more substantive. What would you say the... Uh, your biggest takeaway was about the tech space in New York City. And having been through your third time, would you, are you planning on giving it a go again next year?
5: Absolutely. Um, it, again, it, it, to me, it's, it's all about um, getting involved and engaging with the community and um, bringing as many people on board um, as, as possible onto you know, the project you're working on. Um, I I guess my, you know, my participation, um, obviously how, how, how involved I am and how much time I have will affect, you know, how much time I spend at each of these events and et cetera, but definitely I'll be, I'll be coming back. Um, and I think it just shows that what, what we saw this year is just shows that, that the civic tech community is alive and well in New York city, um,
3: Ryan, now that you have completed the program and you were the winner in the knowledge category, what is the next step for you with the NYC Big Apps?
6: So we are still waiting for their thoughts on the next steps. However, what does that mean? (laughs) So they wanted to let us enjoy this moment a little bit before laying out exactly what we are to do with them. However... So is
3: there a specified program as a part of the winner of what you do next?
6: So we have been invited to join Civic Hall Labs to receive advice and mentorship and accelerator space, which is very, very exciting. I am fortunate because prior to New York City Big Apps, we secured support for the build-out of the Opportunity Explorer and have plans to make it real that new york city big apps will complement immediate next steps for us are convening a input workshop with the first seven pass nyc partners who have agreed to use the opportunity explorer our plan is to spend the summer building the smart catalog piece of the opportunity explorer a singular place you can go to see all of the application deadlines and information about programs we want that live in september and the hope is to have the universal application piece done in early 2018 but what we're most excited about is it's our hope that in time the opportunity explorer will become a virtual guidance counselor that can learn about who you are as a student, who your family is, and advise you on what opportunities might make the most sense for you. And this is part of why we are so excited about New York City Big Apps, because given the community that they represent, all of the organizers, the sponsors, the mentors, the judges, all of the wonderful civic-minded individuals like Matt, who show up and support everyone, they are the best people to ask about how to exactly to create this virtual offering.
3: So then it was a worthwhile endeavor for you.
6: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the, the prize money and awards are certainly did, nice.
3: Did you read the terms and conditions before you entered? <laughs> I did. You did?
6: I did, yeah. Did you? I don't think you have an appropriate enough sound effect <laughs> because if I'm being honest, I don't know if I've ever read terms and conditions my entire life. Ooh. <laughs> I, it's, I will point out, though, I'm very familiar with the South Park episode I, Human, Centipad, which explores exactly this topic.
3: Maybe we'll have to take a... I have not seen that one. One of my favorite <laughs> ones is uh, the episode about Yelp. You're not yelping. Which, you know, <laughs> pertains greatly to the restaurant world and to digital social media and how that's changing the face of of restaurants in the world and hospitality. Um, We are running close to being just about out of time, which I tell everyone at the start of the show, it's going to go by very quickly. And I don't know that everyone believes me, but it's true. At the end of each show, I always like to ask my guests for a little piece of advice that our listeners can use in real life. And given that you're all, um, you know, from the entrepreneurial uh, point of view, and you know, have started different companies, and certainly are involved in companies that are at the beginning stages now. I'll ask each of you the same question What's your advice to a founder and entrepreneur who has, you know, an idea and a maybe working prototype of an app and wants to take it to the next level? How do they take their idea sort of from, you know, their personal computer and a little bit of a prototype into the next step where it can become real hmm
2: Matt
5: yeah um, so this is my second company and so um second time around everything is a, l- a lot more e- is a lot easier um, so I think keeping the focus on your customers staying focused on is this product that you're building is it actually solving a real need in the community and if it is you the other things will come a lot easier you'll be able to you'll you'll have a business model you'll be able to have revenue uh, like and once you have revenue then investors will say hey you're making money like um do you want me to invest in your company Um, (laughs) and but i think but building something that is um that really meets a need and f- making sure that you, you focus on that from the start. And then the second thing is staying organized. Um, there's so many things you have to do as a founder and prioritizing them and organizing them into different buckets. So, like, here are my business develop. Here are the things I need to do for business development, for getting more customers. You know, here are my things that I need to do for raising money. Here are the things I need to do for for legal um, and realizing that you can't do all those things yourself, but that you need to, like, do your best to kind of hack together a team, even if you don't have a lot of funding to pay that team. So you kind of always have to be um, selling your company and talking about w- why you should join this this company or this this team or this nonprofit organization when you could be working for somebody who's going to pay you more money somewhere else. And very well said. So I think those three things.
3: So your advice is make sure you're solving an actual problem and providing service. Yep. Stay organized and delegate. Yes. Excellent. Ryan, what's your best advice to the burgeoning entrepreneur?
6: I, I agree with all of those wonderful pieces of advice. I will insert As a new number two, very specifically, build your team. You won't be able to delegate if you don't have anyone involved. And what I have found in my various activities is to prove to people that you have a problem that you are solving, regardless of whether or not you've found a way to generate revenue, you frequently need subject matter expertise, This was a very large part of how PassNYC got off the ground. We brought on a kill very specifically so that whenever there was a test prep question, we could ask the best in the business instead of having to learn it ourselves. And so I cannot stress enough how important it is that you build your team as soon as you have your idea. And as Matt put it, find ways to empower them to help you
3: yeah. How do you build a team if you don't have funding?
6: <laughs> so, having done this very thing, I, I can share that the best way to do it is to find like-minded people. Folks who have skills but don't have an outlet or don't have the confidence to apply it in a new way. Find those people in particular and then get very good at asking people for things.
3: Okay. And Akil, what's your advice? To entrepreneurs starting their own app tech business,
7: uh, Spend somebody else's money first. <laughs> Get a job. Um, <laughs> I think my biggest mistake was not not losing somebody else's money before spending my own. Mm-hmm. So learn on somebody else's dime. right? Like there are too many opportunities to join a startup that it doesn't make sense not to learn from other people's experience before you go out and do it on your own, especially if you're doing something entirely new to you. I went from being a part-time tutor to running a business. Part-time tutor, smart dude just has to work with one person. Running a business, whole different story. And there was no in between, right? So Mm -hmm. every mistake I make as a founder cost me money, right? It would have made a lot of sense to work running someone else's business Before venturing on my own to start building and spending and investing time. So I think the biggest advice I can give is is to start figuring it out on somebody else's dime.
3: So when you say figure it out on someone else's dime, you specifically mean go and work in a business or a startup or a tech company that has some similarities to the business you would like to create so that you can learn on the job and get paid while you're learning
7: on the job. And so if when you lose you, the money, it's not yours.
3: And when you <laughs> yeah. say spend someone else's money, you don't mean start your own company and then get investors and nope. then and then have a high burn rate of, nope. of investors' money. Right. Well, okay. Because that's a, that's a way that people work sometimes yeah. also.
5: At the same time, you probably learned a lot from um, those mistakes. I did. So um, even though they may have been expensive, like every founder, like you, what you learn as a founder of actually managing human resources, accounting, legal, business development, raising capital. Those are lessons that you you can't learn just as an employee of a business. You can't just learn all those. You can become an expert in the area of that business.
7: but You're right. I think the big difference for me is after doing it for 10 years, I realized all the things that had I at least been closer to it, I would mm-hmm. have at least considered before making the mistakes, right? And I think that's the challenge is, and I guess, and you could do it in a number of ways, right? You could, you could read every book that exists on the market, right? You can do a, It's not the experiential thing of it, which is why I think that getting as close to the position as possible gives you that exposure, right? So I think that that sort of thing is, 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 is helpful, especially when you're making radical shifts from employee to decision-maker and ultimate responsi- you know, person responsible for it all.
5: And everything is going to cost more than a uh, founder thinks <laughs> it's going to cost. <laughs> yes. <And laughs> take longer. It's take, 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 longer it to take longer. Cost more. more.
7: <laughs> Be fair. more difficult to make so, happen. <laughs> whatever your expense predictions are, double or quadruple them. Yep. <laughs> and, <laughs> and a business plan makes sense, even if you're not pitching someone. Yep. Yep. Just the that's a roadmap. thought of right, right. Just to organize again. <laughs> to, and
3: we're back to organization. Yep, To <laughs>
6: quote Killer Mike, we all have to plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize. Ooh.
3: There we go. That's,
5: that's, um, that's a good one.
3: <laughs>
5: can, I, can I throw in an Elon Musk quote? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. So if you're not... Uh, so Elon Musk, founder of PayPal, Tesla, SpaceX... One of the few people who started multiple multi-billion-dollar companies describes entrepreneurship as eating glass and staring into the pit of darkness.
3: There you go. <laughs>
5: so um, you've got to have thick skin as a founder. Um, uh, don't take it on lightheartedly um, uh, as as a whim. And that's 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 from one of the most successful entrepreneurs ever. So
3: well. Hopefully this has been real talk, but not completely disheartening and maybe has been inspiring (laughs) (laughs) because people have been winning and coming back to the table and creating new companies and things like that. And again, I mean, uh, you know, civic tech competition is all about, you know, to Matt's point, solving a problem and helping people. So Mm -hmm. after you've chewed on that glass... um, You know, you can feel pretty good at the end of the day if you help somebody do something. If you are interested in finding out more about NYC Big Apps, you can find them at bigapps.nyc. If you'd like to learn more about PassNYC, they are passnyc.org and opencitylabs.com. If you want to find out more about me and TechBytes and David and Heritage Radio. We are heritageradionetwork.org. We are in .org because we, too, are a 501c3 nonprofit. If you love the show, go to the website, click on the beating heart, make a donation, maybe throw us what you spent on coffee today. If you designate your donation to Tech Bytes, I will send you something special along with my undying love. I'm Jennifer see This is Tech Bites. Next week, we will be talking to a roundtable of women in tech. It's going to be a great, exciting, dynamic, sassy episode. So come back and see us on Thursday at 11 a.m.